A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The COB is presented by Rabobank, awarded 2023 SMSF Savings Bank of the Year by Mozo. Well, hello, hello. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Daniela Kouye, and I will be here with my special guest, of course, which is Carl Roder, coming up in a second. Now, uh, let's check in and see how the local market has closed. Oh, no, we're just going to discuss. Uh, this is something that I thought would, that would be very interesting as we head into the month of October, which typically has been a fairly weak month. And uh, in terms of volumes, I have some really interesting data from Adam Dawes via the COPPO report. And September volumes, first of all, were 10% lower than average over the past five years. And if we have a look at October performance, since 1992, the ASX200 is up on average 0.89% in October followed by a 0.44 rise in November and a 1.89% gain in December. So there you go, just in terms of uh, what we might be able to expect. I'm just going to quickly check in and let you know that currently the ASX 200 is closing around three tenths of a percent down or 21 points to 7,027. But let's move on for our three themes of the day. And obviously the first theme that we have today is the RBA meeting tomorrow. Of course, this is pretty significant given that the new RBA governor, Michelle Bullock, will be heading up this meeting her first time in the role as head of the central bank. At this point in time, most commentators, experts, economists are not expecting that the RBA will raise rates. Uh, nevertheless, something may happen, but probably most unlikely. So there is only a 10% chance the moment at the moment that the market is looking for a possible 25 basis rate hike at this meeting. But of course, everybody will be looking to see whether or not Michelle Bullock gives us what has been termed a hawkish pause or a hawkish hold, as we saw at the FOMC meeting. So that's the all important uh, first Tuesday of the month in October. Now, over the weekend, we had some reasonably good news coming out of the United States with the debt ceiling having been extended out 
to the middle of November. So the deal has been put in place. You have seen Congress passing this temporary measure to hold off a government shutdown. So as a result of that, we are actually seeing futures looking firmer in the US. But as with everything at the moment, politics seems to be playing in to Congress. And of course, it is effectively kicking the can down the road. Now, the third theme of the day, it's China Golden Week, which is a holiday, but all important because they will be looking to see whether the Chinese consumer on this holiday period goes out and does lots of consuming, including potential shopping for property. But it will have a fairly subdued effect, certainly on the likes of iron ore pricing, particularly the futures. No, uh, no futures trading in the Dalian iron ore, but also to uh, just generally in Asian markets. Okay, shall we move on to our guest of the day? And Carl Roder is joining from Capital is joining me now. Carl, thank you so much for joining the COB. Sort of what we used to do, but without you sitting next to me. I know, how unfortunate. I'd love to be there. Indeed. Well, it's a, it's, it's a very quiet, shall I say, Monday up here on uh, holiday October the 2nd in Sydney. But you were working today. Volumes were quite depressed. But I think probably the focus now is really on the RBA tomorrow. Yeah, really low volumes, obviously. I think it was down 30% from its 30-day uh, average, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. So clearly, uh, really quiet. You mentioned Golden Week as another reason why across the Asian region things were a little bit light, as well as um, actually Korea was offline too, for, for what it's worth. So basically, everyone except a handful of us uh, were actually uh, working today, Danny. Uh, lucky ask. But nevertheless, uh, you know, it, it really was a, a pretty quiet day. Although, as you noted, those sort of buoyant futures markets in the United States after we got that kind of government shutdown averted or at least uh, that uh, proverbial can kick down the road. But, but I think you're absolutely right. We are keeping an eye out for that RBA decision tomorrow. And I think if you look at some of the moves in the Aussie dollar today so far, we've sent it off by about three tenths of a percent. Uh, a bit of an outlier in the currency markets, it seems to be pointing to perhaps a little bit of heightened volatility around that decision. No move is expected, at least from what markets are pricing in. There was a Reuters poll out last week showing that 30 of 32 economists expect the RBA to stay pat for uh, Governor Bullock's first meeting. But if you do look at some of the price action, especially off the back of inflation data last week, which everyone heralded as being a little bit of a success or at least looked through as being evidence of perhaps just a slight fuel price driven lift in headline inflation, is that we actually have seen the odds of a rate hike uh, by next year, May next year, ratchet higher. In fact, 25 basis points is in the curve. So, I mean, as far as the meeting goes tomorrow, yes, no move expected, but that guidance will be fairly crucial uh, because, well, it seems to be the consensus view once again that we've got at least another 25 basis point hike uh, on the cards, again, at least by May next year. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, Carl, that it continues to be pushed further and further out. And yet I can't help but feel as long bonds in the US have been tracking higher, unless we get some respite in those bond yields, um, things might start to break at some stage. 
Well, that's the debate, right? I mean, the way I see it at the moment is if you look at sort of driving, there's a balance of things obviously driving why why rates are moving higher at the long end. But one reason is, uh, and it's very difficult, I think, to argue against that, you know, in the, well, now and in the immediate term, the US economy is, is relatively strong. You know, of course, you can point to areas and pockets of the economy that aren't doing so well. And we have to talk on aggregate measures, of course, because the economy is a, a you know, a multi-factor thing. But, you know, the US economy is still adding jobs, um, jobless claims are still falling, consumption's remaining reasonably robust. And for, for all intents and purposes, you know, rates are rising and stocks are falling effectively because the economy is in a reasonably good place. It raises two questions for me now, and you know, this is as investors obviously and traders, you have to sort of think of second order effects of, 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 of the immediate term dynamics is either one, inflation starts to pick up even further because of that robust growth in the United States, and that's going to be a bit of a headache. Um, and again, I think in part, that's why yields are, are rising, especially around the value of the curve, reflecting that kind of higher for longer trade. But as you alluded to, it's that whole notion that, well, you know, the five year was 15, 20 basis points below where it is now when SVB collapsed at the start of the year. And it has to be said, policymakers made some pretty swift uh, 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 actions off the back of that that I think has probably quelled nerves for a lot of investors in in the short term, especially as it uh, relates to the way the banks fund themselves and their capital base. Uh, but still, it's it's one of those things that you don't really uh, get a good sense of, of uh, you know, perhaps fragilities in the system until it's far too late. So uh, naturally, there are that sort of cause for concern that if we continue to see this dynamic playing out in markets, eventually something, well, those finance, that trade-off between the inflation mandate and that kind of, I guess, softer mandate from the Fed, the financial stability side of things might start to, well, um, conflict once again. Um, markets don't seem to be pricing that in. It has to be said, volatility is, is remarkably low. I'm sure, the move index has moved up a little bit, but again, that's just to do more probably with uncertainty about the rate outlook. Um, but it does make you wonder, perhaps, because it normally is when those uh, when markets are complacent and those that those risks really do start to come to the fore. For the time being, they're not there, but it's it's one that obviously we'll have to stay pretty wary of. As um, we've both touched on, volumes are really, really low at the moment. Um, we've got some AGNs starting to roll through and things. Maybe some of the out-of-season companies will report in early November. But what maybe would be some driving factors to actually get um, the ASX 200 moving? And uh, it's, it's just really hard to find them at the moment, but maybe I'm not looking in the right places. No, no, I'm certainly searching for them as well. And I mean, you know, if you talk about just the industry itself, um, I've had the good fortune of trying to reach out a lot of to a lot of people over the last few weeks, obviously, since moving back down here, just to touch base. And there's a pretty constant, um, I, I guess, a theme there, which is, you know, volumes are lighter, activities died off just a little bit. And, you know, some of that might be to do with the fact that higher interest rates are starting to roll through uh, the, the markets, which have an impact on, on obviously risk appetite and the desire just to be allocated to equities, but also that maybe we're starting to see the effects on the real economy of higher interest rates and, and a, you know, sentiment uh, driven drop in, in volumes as well, which again is more of an inference from, you know, what I'm hearing on the street there more than anything else. But I mean, I guess a few rules of thumb, again, uh, around what higher rates do to valuations as well as uh, to people's hip pockets and appetite to invest you know that 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 could be that could be true i mean we are looking for a catalyst across the asx 200 and i think you know there was a really great article i read at the start of the year which sort of reflected on why um you know or what the the price action during the 1970s was like which was obviously to a more stagflationary period but you know the rule of thumb was that if you know the economy isn't growing and rates are reasonably high it tends to breed boring and range-bound markets and if you zoom
zoom back over the last two years, the ASX 200 is the definition of range bound. It's somewhere between 6,800 and 7,400, which is, you know, really going sideways, um, which is not the end of the world by, by any means. And it's not sort of a, a hugely bear market scenario for the time being, but it certainly says that there isn't sort of an upside impetus. My sense is, is that from a global standpoint, we won't um, really see a, a big lift in, in equity prices until inflation is well and truly under control. And we can truly say that central banks might be starting to be able to ease. The only other thing that I think of that could be a positive catalyst is China. But for the time being, I remain of the view that their, their, their focus is elsewhere and not trying to obviously reflate uh, its economy. So for the time being, until we get maybe some of those either rate or growth catalysts starting to come through uh, as, as tailwinds, you know, the risk is, the possibility is, is that we do have investors remaining uh, a little bit to, to the sidelines here, because of course, this isn't just happening in, in Australia. It's, it seems to be somewhat of a global phenomenon as well. Absolutely, Kyle. And as uh, we were chatting, I'm just noticing the little Aussie battler again. You know how much I love to watch the Aussie dollar. It's, it's, it's there holding on again to 64 cents before tomorrow. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with uh, Michelle Bullock. But thank you so much for coming on uh, the COB today. Lovely to see you. Yeah, have a great week, Danny. Cheers. That, of course, was Carl Roder from Capital. Now we will try and check in with the local market. And as we can see, the SIBO 200 looks like it's settling uh, on the close, down four spot for nine points of three tenths of a percent. But as we have said quite a few times, there really has been a lack of volume just generally in September, but m- probably more so today. Now let's have a look at what stocks are in focus because there was some updated corporate news. Now just worth highlighting in light of uh, the weakness that we have seen today in the healthcare sector and it really really was weak today. Uh, Part of that is due to ResMed and uh, it's just interesting to note that Wolf Research downgraded the stock to peer performer from an outperformer over the weekend. But also too, we've just seen quite significant uh, weakness in the uh, likes of CSL, which is now trading uh, sub $250 and it's closed at around $246.36 or down 1.77%. I'm sure that will have some tongues wagging. Now Coronado is uh, down after a revision in their full year production following disruption at its Buchanan mine in Virginia. And looking at Sierra Resources. Now basically that one has jumped almost 9% today after improved graphite demand from increased anode production in China and also increased EV sales. Having a look at Magellan. Now Magellan has appointed formal former Pendle and investor listed funds management chairwoman Deborah Page as a non-executive director and Degray Mining. Uh, they have they are down today after completing a $300 million placement. Okay, let's now turn to stock of the day, which was Superloop, ticker code SLC. And our special guests were on the call, David Lane from Audmanet and Ben Clark from TMS. Let's see what they had to say.
hold stick with them. Uh, you know, I think it's it's obviously uh, good for Symbio shareholders that uh, they're in the in the perfect seat if there is going to be a, a protracted bidding war. Pretty small businesses. Superloop's been a bit of a disaster. You yeah, know, it's had a big recapitalisation event about a year ago. Aussie- look at that chair, uh, the one year chart. It's yeah, it's a horrible looking. It hasn't chart. been great. But again, it's like a pretty small little business and. We- tend to stay clear of that area of the market. Okay. It's not our All right. And of course, our leaders, just uh, leaders, excuse me, our guests showing a little bit of caution towards Superloop. Now, let's have a look at the leaders and the laggards. So we can see the likes of, say, owner mining up 14% today. And uh, also WeBit Nano of 6.6%. Now, just having a look at Sayona, they did come out with their full year statutory accounts. I have been looking at this one all day today, trying to find a bit of information, but the results were out on a Friday. So looks very much like the market has embraced that. Uh, interestingly enough, a core lithium continuing to run higher up 5. 6% and Polynovo up by 2.5% as well. As a favourite, Karoon Energy, quite a lot of our experts last week, definitely looking at that one as a buy, um, as they are, I suppose, a combined exposure between the likes of their uh exploration as well as production. Now just having a look, just a reminder that Core Lithium actually did come out with their results as well and they were what seemingly looked better than expected on Friday. Now let's have a look at some of the laggards and as we can see Coronado, now that is off the back of that downgrade in full year production, that stock finished down about 4.4%. Dominoes, I don't think there's any particular news there. Uh, but that stock is currently down uh, by the likes of 4.2%. AMP is off 3%. Premier Investments off also 3.2%. And Grain Corp, some profits coming, profit taking coming into that one as well. Just checking uh, Premier again. Uh, that stock came out at the back end of last week with its earnings report. So some ad- adjustments there in terms of the broker forecasts. And a Grain Corp, but just looking to see if there is any particular news on that one today. And uh, that one looks as though, no, no particular news. Right, let's have a look at the small caps and see how they are trading. And we have a Symbio up by 14%, 4D Medical up by 11 Redbubble making a uh, appearance up almost 11%. And also Sierra Resources are up almost 9%, again, on that better outlook for graphite. Let's have a look at some of the small cap laggards. And uh, there we go in the gold sector. Dacian Gold off almost 8%, Queensland Pacific off 7%, and Bowen Coal. Um, there have been some problems, certainly up in Newcastle uh, with Coronado and some of the shipments there. So Bowen Coal also off by 6%. Well, that is pretty much. Oh, no, let's check in with what's happening overnight. And uh, there we go. Euro 
Eurozone unemployment is out for August. We have Euro PMIs and then tomorrow Canada is closed. And then uh, let's have a look tomorrow in terms of uh, what is coming up. And apologies, I don't know what went wrong there. Slight marginal hitch, but obviously we have the RBA meeting here in Australia, which is, of course, the big news. And then in terms of other corporate news, just having a quick check for you. And uh, yeah, so the main thing will be uh, the RBA meeting. We also have job ads for September, housing finance and building approvals as well, both for the month of August. Okay. So let's just check in as the close of the market today. We have the SIBO 200 finishing down three tenths of a percent or four and a half points. And if I have a look at the ASX 200, that closed down 15 spot four points to 7,033, which is a two tenths of a percent. So thank you so much for joining uh, the COB. But before you go, our last virtual investor event, we asked if you were interested in adding alternatives to your portfolio and nearly 70% of you said yes. So we're bringing together expert asset allocations to share how they build a portfolio in a space that's traditionally been out of reach for retail investors. We've also got managers from funds right across the spectrum of alternatives alternatives and uh, join Koshi for essential alternatives and it's happening on 18th of October from 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It's free to register. You can see the full agenda at ozbiz.co slash essential. And just a note that lots of the strategies and products being discussed are only suitable for wholesale or sophisticated investors. Anyway, that is it for today, Monday, the 2nd of October. And that is it for the COB. Thanks so much for joining joining but of course we'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.